This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Two weeks in a row, Joey. Not bad. Two weeks. A week and a half, really, since last week, but, you know. We did it. That's true. That's true. Well, you know, we, we weren't sure when we we're going to do it. You know what, though? We recorded what on Tuesday. I ended up posting it on Friday. Oh, uh, yeah. We're recording, this, we're recording this Thursday night, and I'm going to post this tomorrow. On so Friday. nobody's going to so, know the difference. So I kind of just. Gonna, nobody's going to know oh. except the people who are actually listening to it. <laughs> nobody's how's it going, know. man? How would they know? How, how, how's your offseason going? I, I know, like, in season. We're busy. Well, at least you were. You were super busy. I know that. So oh, yeah. how, how how is the offseason now? Is it treating you a little bit better? Are you kind of relaxing a little bit? Or are you full mode, like full full preseason mode, like ready to get into it? Dude, I'm killing it in DraftKings right now. I feel, I feel like I'm still like in the season. Like I keep doubling my money, just keep cashing out every single week. So I'm at a really good spot in terms of that. Hopefully that doesn't get ruined like this weekend because that would be awful because I've been on such a good streak. But uh, I'm just waiting for these coaches, coaching changes, man. I'm, I mean, Urban Meyer, he just became the new head coach of the Jaguars. Um, I, I'm just waiting to hear all these offensive coordinator switches, get into that, because that's kind of the first step of uh, once the season's over. You know, the first thing to look forward to is coaching changes, then it's free agency, then it's draft, and then it's all the putting that all together. So, Yeah, exactly. I'm looking forward to that too. I mean, as soon as, you know, they mentioned, like as soon as they announced these offensive coordinator moves or these offensive head coaches, like as soon as they do that, you just look at their personnel, like what players do they have? And they're like, and you know, in the case of Urban Meyer, you're like, Ooh, LaVisca Chenault. Okay. This could be something, you know what I mean? And you know, you kind of go from there and then those hype trains start to start to roll. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, station. So if you guys are wondering what we're doing today, you know we want to identify the players that we were drafting relatively early within the first five six rounds and guys who you know didn't really pan out in the 2020 season uh we want to look at that kind of identify why they fell off identify hey like should we have seen that going into the 2020 season um and then kind of look at where they're at going into 2021 that's kind of what we're doing so we're, we're looking kind of like a a bust slash, you know, guys who fell off, you know, a yeah. type of list. That's that's what we're going to, towards. The opposite right of last week, basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And if you guys <laughs> if you guys didn't listen to last week's episode, it was basically the opposite. The guys who we who we think are going to rise uh, to the top of drafts uh, going from 2020 to 2021. So uh, let's get right into it, man. Uh, there was one guy that. You know, the, the hype train was rolling and it was more towards uh, the, the end of the season because once the Chiefs took Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at the end of the first round, um, he was on top. You know, he might not have been on top of a lot of people's dynasty boards at running back, but when he was taken by the Chiefs, uh, a lot of people moved him to number one. Um, now, I don't think he's going to be taken in the first round 
next year in redraft. I'll say that. Uh, I think that's safe to say. But what was his problem to begin the year? And, and why were we so disappointed? Uh, and it was a lack of touchdowns, right? Was the opportunity there? Hell yeah, it was. If you, you got to look at this, you got to look at this a little deeper, right? Week one, 27 opportunities. Uh, and, and when I say opportunities here, I mean carries plus targets. 27 opportunities in week one, 18 in week two, 26 in week three, 19 in week four, 18 in week five, 30 in week six. And then what happened? Le'Veon Bell joined the team. Uh, his share went down starting in week seven. Uh, so if you look at those first six weeks, this dude had one touchdown while averaging 21, 22 touches per game, he scored one damn touchdown. So like that is going to make people disappointed. Um, but don't get it twisted. Like he's going into year two. He's still on one of the best offenses in the NFL. And, and, and my guess is that it won't be a three-man backfield next year like it was when Lev Bell joined the team. Remember, Daryl Williams was part of that rotation as well. Um, and Daryl Williams, you know, probably will be back. He's a restricted free agent. Um but I'll take the discount and, you know, and draft Edwards Hilaire. I'm guessing he's going to go in the second round still, maybe mid to later in the second round. That's my guess uh, right now. We'll see where he ends up landing. Uh, but but is, it, it was the uh, disappointment warranted for Clyde Edwards Hilaire in those first six weeks? You know, it's a mix of a lot of things. Um, we always hear Andy Reid doesn't like to give his rookie running backs that uh, ample workload. And, I mean, other than Kareem Hunt, and uh, there's times where he's forced into the situation, like when we Damien Williams opted out of the season, we're like, okay, maybe we got something here with Clyde. Uh, First-round value, no other backs to really take with it. But Daryl Williams, for however long, ended up playing a very similar role to what Le'Veon Bell would eventually be playing. And even at times, like you said, it would be a three-man backfield. So, um, you know... Going to the season, COVID issues, no real off season. Uh, on top of that, he's got a, what do you a high ankle sprain during the year. So I mean, just it's just kind of a, a mess for Clyde in his first year. But um, as you said, in that second year, I think he's going to end up seeing a bigger workload. But he's going to have to play better though. He's going to have to look better on the ground. After that first week, we were all kind of sold, and we were all like, okay, you know, Clyde's the real deal. But then everybody did that against Houston. And, uh, you know, it's not as big of a deal now. So hopefully Clyde can step it up next year. Yeah, I don't know. It, it just, as a, someone who had Clyde in a couple leagues, um, I ended up drafting him in one. I'm like, okay, he'll be my safe pick. He'll be my, like, I don't know. For some reason, I thought he would be my safe first round pick, but it didn't end up happening. Still won the championship with him on the team, but uh, he was riding the bench. A little humble brag right there. You know, a little humble brag. You a know. little humble brag. Even though my <laughs> starting running backs were David Montgomery, Austin Eckler, and David Johnson. Nice, nice, nice. Um, but yeah, no, I think, but you're, you, I think one point, you know, that you said is very important is that he does have to play better next year um, in order for him to get that full workload, for Andy Reid to trust him to take that full workload. Um, otherwise, we've seen, that, we've seen that Andy Reid doesn't mind bringing in other guys if he has to. Right. Yeah. And, and um, I, I, I think going into the second, his second year, you know, things will be a little bit better for him. You know, there's no way that you're going to hit 21, 22 touches a game and only score one touchdown. Stuff like that doesn't happen. Well, uh, a big part of that too is just Mahomes is so good that you don't always have to rely on the running back position. Like when they get close to the goal line, you're like, okay, should we trust our rookie running back? 
or do we trust our $500 million man and the best tight end in the league and the fastest wide receiver in the league? And like, you have all these options. So uh, running the ball in with Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who's like five, what are they? Five, nine, five, 10, five, eight. Like that's not your first option at that point and at this point in time. So um, definitely plays a factor in it. And uh, thankfully Le'Veon Bell who signed his one-year deal with the chiefs will be a free agent in 2021. Um, and just a side note, they didn't bring, like, they didn't seek out Le'Veon Bell. Okay, we have to get this guy on our team. We need that depth. Bell had a choice between Miami, Kansas City. Uh, I think Kansas City was actually offering him less money, but Bell just kind of wanted to hop on for the ride and uh, work his way to a ring, and who can blame him? Well, after you saw what Michelle McCoy did last year. Yeah. You know he was mean? inactive for the Super Bowl. He got a Super Bowl ring. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so uh, so there's another guy going in the first round that uh, that was this <laughs> that was a quick transition right there, right? Uh, <laughs> um, there's another guy that, that uh, a lot of us thought was a safe pick, yeah, and that was Michael Thomas, Oof. right? Uh, and I think we can keep this one relatively short. I mean, this guy, like, he got shut down in game one by Carlton Davis, he tweaks his ankle at the end of the game, and it turns out to be a high ankle sprain. He has hamstring inju- injuries um, as well on the road to his recovery, and he doesn't make it back until week nine, right? Like, he didn't help you make the playoffs. Now, he finally starts doing his thing in week 11, right? Um, he goes 9 of 12 for 104 yards against Atlanta with Taysom Hill, by the way. Uh, and that's notable because there's a chance that Drew Brees retires after his season's over, right? Um, is the season over this weekend? Yep. Joey? Yep, okay. So after this weekend... Drew Brees <laughs> probably will retire. We'll see. Um, and then, oh, I'm sorry, I asked the wrong person. Um, <laughs> and then he goes four for 60 for 50 yards, but in a blowout where Hill only threw the ball 16 times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he has another 100 yard game against Atlanta with Taysom Hill. And then he goes eight for eight for 84 yards the following week, will, following week with Taysom Hill against Philly. So with Taysom Hill in that four game sample, Michael Thomas was averaging seven and a half catches on nine and a half targets for 85.8 yards. So that's pretty much the Michael Thomas that we know, right? Mm-hmm. Michael Thomas did the same thing with Teddy Bridgewater too last year when uh, Drew Brees was hurt. So I think going into next year, I think a lot of people will be down on Michael Thomas, especially the people who had Michael Thomas. Oh, yeah. uh, but but he's not someone I'll be fading next year. Uh, and with Brees retiring, I think a lot of people might be. Yeah, and assuming he's healthy, he'll definitely be worth that um early second mid second uh, type pick likely won't see him going in the first but worth noting that part of what made him so good in that 2019 season was slant boy um <laughs> the routes he was running you had to say it <laughs> I, had to, I had to throw it in there but um a big part of that too was the accuracy of drew Brees and just the hands of michael thomas and it was just a perfect match and uh, we mentioned earlier on last week's podcast how Stefan Diggs was like 12 or 13 targets away from what Michael Thomas had in 2019. And Diggs did not nearly have enough, like he didn't have nearly the amount of catches that Michael Thomas had. And Michael Thomas had like 160, 170 or something crazy like that on 180 or so targets. And when you play in a PPR league, you, you notice that kind of thing. But when you don't play in the PPR league, 
that's when uh, you know people who have Michael Thomas may not have been all that surprised with his production this year, or at least didn't think it was that big of a drop off in terms of a games a game type thing. So uh, it, it is interesting that without Breeze, he could still be a viable and a very much so a viable low end wide receiver one mid to low. But we also have to see what this team does in terms of adding weapons. I mean, this could be a run heavy offense. This could be like a draft a wide receiver. I mean, I don't think Emmanuel Sanders is going to last as the number two there. Adam Troutman might make a name for himself as the tight end there. So it's just a situation to watch, but not a situation I'm staying away from. And, and now we know that Taysom Hill can actually throw the ball. We had no idea if Taysom Hill oh, yeah. could do something uh, before he took over after Breeze got hurt. We, we, we all assumed that Jameis Winston was going to get that first start when Drew Breeze got hurt. And we were all surprised and we were all questioning Sean Payton you know, to the point, I mean, to our fault, right? I mean, Sean, we all thought we were smarter than Sean Payton, right? Uh, but I guess he knew what he was doing, man. Um, you know, obviously Taysom Hill is, is uh, you know, pretty, power, you know, uh, he's pretty versatile, right? He can run the ball. Um, he, he's a pretty much a goal line back, right? And um, and he threw a couple touchdowns. So, you know, not, not too bad. Um, so Michael Thomas, I would say probably in the prime of his career, obviously forget about the injuries. Somebody who might have, someone who might have left his prime, Julio Jones. He was so bang, dude, I'm, I'm telling you right now, like these transitions, I'm having a really bad day with transitions today. I'm going to try to make it better as this, as it goes on, but I kind of just want to keep it, keep it rolling. Like just, this is the podcast for terrible transitions and I, I'm, I'm okay with that. The TT <laughs> um, podcast. <laughs> um so Julio he was so banged up this year right I mean he opened up the season with the bang right uh every every nine that, plus target is that another transition I don't know man I don't pun? know what's going on he was today. so banged up here he this year he opened the season with the bang <laughs> <laughs> that just uh, so he uh he banged out a couple nine plus target games um he had a <laughs> sorry the bang. uh so with every nine plus target game he had hit a 90 yard game at the very least, but his availability is a question, right? And the fact that he's going to be 32 in February uh, is another reason why I'll be staying away in 2021, regardless of his price, right? I, I, I rather like, even if he, his ADP drops a couple rounds, honestly, I'd rather take a shot at a breakout year for a younger player, yep. right? In the second or the third round, wherever his ADP ends up. Uh, even if it, even if that's a risky pick too, like I'd rather take, if, if both of them are risks, I'd rather take the risk and the upside for that younger player, that younger breakout potential. Um, so let me ask you this. Should we have been fading Julio and just grabbing Calvin Ridley coming into the 2020 seasons? Like what, like were the signs there? Now I understand grabbing Ridley, mm-hmm. right. Coming into 2020, but should we have been fading Julio? coming into 2020 hindsight's 2020 <laughs> see what i did there oh, but what did i get but, myself into <laughs> <laughs> but should we have faded julio well here's the thing i mean i, I want to say injuries aside but it's so hard to with him it, it, it's something he's dealt with a lot recently and we knew that like that foot and that ankle was just something that could come back and he dealt with other injuries and hamstring injuries and all this and He's just not healthy and he hasn't been healthy for a while. And he's in his thirties now. I mean, talent wise, 
A healthy Julio Jones is still one of the best wide receivers in the league. So we think. Um, I, I don't know. It, should we have known? Probably not. Maybe we could have faded him a little more. I had him as my wide receiver three. So that's definitely not a good look. I could have had him a little lower based on injuries and age alone. But, you know, sometimes you just kind of bet on the talent. And I feel like for us both, last season, we we had to at least say ADP game at least eight times over that last offseason of like, okay, let's play the ADP game. Would you rather Calvin Ridley in the third or fourth round or Julio Jones in the first? And then for each or the second or whatever. And every time we were like, oh, Calvin Ridley in the fourth, 100%. So I guess in that sense, like, we knew Calvin Ridley was already the better value and we knew we kind of wanted to avoid Julio, but um, to totally fade him didn't to expect this kind of season, just I, I wouldn't expect it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's one of those situations where the production has been so good up until mm-hmm. that point. Right. And we know that. And, and if you look at the numbers going back, uh, you know, in, in as far as wide receivers go, when they hit this age, there is a sharp cliff. Like, we don't see it coming. And the only indicator that you can really look at, even for these elite guys, is their age, yeah. right? So the fact that he was turning, like, what was – so he's going to be 32 in February. And the fact that he was 31 going into this uh, this past season, maybe that should have been something like, hey, listen, I can grab somebody else at that spot, right, who's potentially going to be elite right or close to it you know uh should i just fade somebody who's going into that year 31 season um maybe maybe i wasn't (laughs) like i was fine grabbing julio where he was being drafted because he was being drafted like the middle of the second at times because of the fact that uh last year's draft was so you know so damn running back heavy to begin uh begin drafts right like there were drafts where not even one wide receiver not even Devontae adams was being taken the first round in many drafts so um it's just it's just one of those things where you know you might have to make a decision uh not based on the fact that he killed it in 2019 but based on the fact that you know what can we expect from a 31 year old wide receiver even though he was elite the previous season so it's one of those things to think about um now speaking of injuries james connor yeah okay that's a good one not bad, not bad. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> And if I told you that James Conner was going to play 13 games in 2020, I think you'd take that, wouldn't you? Like, I think I would, right? But this dude was averaging 20 touches per game from weeks two to eight. He averaged more than 100 yards from scrimmage during that span. And that just broke him. <laughs> in the second half of the season, he broke down. Like, and they wouldn't, they just wouldn't let him carry the full load. From weeks nine on, he averaged less than 10 carries per game, less than three catches per game. Uh, he just had 16 touches last week in their wild card, wild card loss to the Browns. Uh, not effective, by the way. Um, but either way, he is he's a free agent this year. Uh, Benny Snell, still under contract. Anthony McFarlane, they just drafted him last year, obviously still under contract. Um, who's going to be the Steelers running back in 2020? Main guy remains to be seen. Harris? Maybe. Maybe. That would be nice. Uh, but who knows if Ben, ben Roethlisberger is back? We have no idea. There, there might be a lot of changes. They just fired their offensive coordinator, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I do like uh, Anthony McFarlane's skill set. You know, if these are the two running backs on the, you know, on, on the roster. 
Uh, but we'll see if they view him as someone who can carry the load. He's a little bit undersized, Devontae Freeman, you know, type size there. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, what what can we expect out of this offense? You know, with that offensive coordinator change, potentially without Ben. Um, but I'll say this about James Conner. It doesn't even matter where he lands. I'm probably going to be off of him, regardless of what round he's going in. I, I don't see a situation where he lands in another spot. And I'm like, oh, that's so much better for fantasy. Like, I don't, I, I, I just, anytime a player changes teams, you automatically have to downgrade them. Um, just in a sense of not knowing their situation. You can build them, like Stefan Diggs is a good example of, okay, when he first went to Buffalo, a lot of people were down to him, you know, changing teams. How's that situation going to work out with Josh Allen? The unknown causes uncertainty. Um, but there's still reasons to bring it back up and say, okay, he's going to get a ton of targets. Uh, if Josh Allen does great, then, you know, it's going to be big year. So with a guy like James Conner, I mean, wherever he goes, you just, I, I think he's going to end up going to a team as like a, um, play like a Jordan Howard type role. Like a, he'll be the starter, but then this rookie is going to like play so much better than him. And then he'll kind of be left in the dust a little bit. So I wanted to see how that plays out. Um, before the season started, we went on player profiler and I saw he was the number one risk to get re-injured in 2020. And I remember saying that I remember seeing the injuries he dealt with and said like, he's, this guy's going to get hurt. And at one point he did for a while we was like, okay, maybe I was wrong about this guy, but then he started losing the touches. He couldn't stay on the field. So uh, the Steelers need to run game. And for them, it would not be smart to re-sign Connor and deal with the same you know, kind of bullshit they've been dealing with the last two years. Um, Najee Harris, just think yeah. about it. Just think about it. And with a new offensive coordinator, maybe this is come some kind of split backfield if that ends up being the case. I mean, Mike Tomlin himself seems to be pretty set on having one guy. He mentioned that many times before the season started. Um, but one of the things we also mentioned, like I'm thinking about all this stuff that we said earlier, Mike Tomlin literally said, if James Conner goes down, Benny Snell is our guy. I mean, how many times do you like, does a head coach say like, okay, this is probably going to happen. So when it does, this is the case. Like it's not a likely situation, you know, for each head coach, which I think was a pretty big red flag earlier. Yeah, no, I hear you. I, I, and that's interesting that you say that because what a lot of people, and we talked about this, you know, he said that James Conner is his guy, but he also mentioned the backup plan and i think yeah. the fact that he even mentioned the backup plan which is a great point by you potentially means that like hey like we don't really trust that james Conner is going to be healthy yeah. all right so somebody who entered the year banged up miles sanders he missed week one but week two he was looking pretty damn good um he was taking you know, around the turn in one, you know, around the one-two turn in drafts, uh, he missed the first game, but came back week two, uh, played seventy-five percent of snaps in each of his first four games. He averaged more than twenty opportunities, more than hundred scrimmage yards per game. Uh, he gets hurt in week six against Baltimore, but after he gives you one hundred eighteen yards on nine carries in that game. Now, after that, he missed three games, comes back against the Giants, plays seventy-two percent of snaps, twenty opportunities. Pretty healthy workload right there. The following week, 60% of snaps, but still 21 opportunities. Um, those few weeks leading into the playoffs were definitely 
uh, fantasy playoffs. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about the fantasy playoffs here. They were a bit suspect, a bit suspect there. But in the playoffs, fantasy playoffs, he did his thing. From weeks 14 to 16, he averaged 20 opportunities per game, uh, scored three touchdowns, averaged 80% of snaps. Now, we'll see who they bring in as their head coach, who, you know, who might, you know, if that's a defensive guy, maybe you look out for who the offensive coordinator is going to be. You know, Doug Peterson, you know, was the guy behind that offense. He was fired. Uh, but if Sanders, you know, seems to me like he's going to be the guy in 2020. Um, and he's another guy who you might be able to get at a discount. Uh, are you buying Sanders as being a workhorse for the Eagles going into 2021? Yes. Okay. I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, well, yeah, I am because no more Doug Peterson, which is huge. And also going into the season, like during the middle of the season, I'm pretty sure Miles Sanders averaged over five yards per carry on the year in a crappy situation. And when I say crappy situation, uh, I mean, Carson Wentz was playing like absolute dog shit. And I'll get more into that um, as we talk about Zach Ertz a little later on. But let's also listen to some offensive linemen that were injured for the Eagles this year. Okay. Andre Dillard, their first round left tackle, who they hoped to be their left tackle last year, is on IR. Brandon Brooks, they're all pro guard. Uh, Lane Johnson, they're all star right tackle. And they also have Jason Peters, their guy who came back because their offensive line was injured and then he got injured. So that was four starting offensive linemen hurt. The only one left really is Jason Kelsey, who has been solid in the middle. But I mean, that offensive line is just, it was awful the whole entire year. So give Miles Sanders a healthy offensive line. Give Miles Sanders no Doug Peterson in 2021. Let this man stay healthy and he could be a top five running back. And I mean, he's got to get the work and he's got to stay healthy. That's all he's got to do. And he because, has the talent and he has the potential. Exactly. I was just going to say, because he has the talent. That, that, that's all he needs. Just give him opportunity, let him stay healthy. Um, and he can win championships, man. I was all in on, on Miles Sanders uh, because of the skill set, because of the fact that he was going to be a workhorse. And if Doug Peterson was willing to give him 75%, 80% of snaps, mm-hmm. that, that's a, that's a pretty good sign. All right. So David Johnson, moving on to him, he's going to be 30 years old. Um, mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, I was looking at his, his contract. I think he can be released for only $2.1 million in dead cap uh, while saving about $7 million. Now, if they trade Deshaun Watson, which they're talking about, mm-hmm. that means they're in rebuild mode and they won't need David Johnson's services for that price. Uh, but either way, I think David Johnson's price, uh, as far as fantasy goes, redraft is going to fall a ton, regardless of where he lands if he does get cut. Um, he was paired with one of the best offenses in the NFL. Uh, well, I'm sorry. Well, at least one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And mm-hmm. most people who had DJ would say that he didn't live up to his fourth round price tag. Um, he had some games. You know, he wasn't absolutely terrible. Uh, but, you know, he was pretty inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, he's not showing a ton to the point where he'll, he'll put my fantasy team over the top next year. You know what I'm saying? So, like, is he done? I don't know. But 
he's a potential depth piece on your fantasy team in 2021. And I would say that he probably lacks that upside that you're looking for. Yeah, I think lacking upside is just kind of the perfect way to describe it. (laughs) But when it comes down to it, I mean, David Johnson at this point in in his career kind of did what we all expected him to. I mean, he, he only busted in two games, one being Jacksonville where he got hurt, and then another game against Baltimore, which was a tough matchup. In every other game, he scored at least 11 points, which is very David Johnson-esque. You know, I mean, 19, 12, 11, 12, 14, 16. And then those last three weeks, 24, 28, 21. So he did come on towards the end of the year. But for the most part, and in credit, like that first half schedule for, I think the Texans had the hardest first half schedule of any team in the NFL this year. And that's why they lost a lot of games early and they had a very easy schedule to finish off the year. And that's why they won a lot of games late. And uh, kind of goes to show that David Johnson was still in that low running back to mid running back to territory. And then the very tail end of the year, he kind of entered the running back one category um, 30. Yes. That's a huge, huge thing to worry about. I mean, all the guys we're reading off, we'll get into later. I mean, uh, Zach Ertz, Mark Ingram, T.Y. Hilton, Julio Jones, all guys who are 30 and kind of hit this wall. So it's a possibility for David Johnson. But at the same time, if they don't draft, that's going to be the huge key. If he stays on the team with Watson and they don't draft another running back, then I think he could still be in for another low end running back two season. He might be good depth piece. And I think we might see something pretty similar to what we saw last year, maybe a little less, if anything. But, um, you know, that's kind of who he is. That's kind of who he is. That's kind of what we expected. Anyone who thought he would do a lot more, I'm not going to mention any names, but the counselor, um, thought he was going to go back to being that running back one, top five, top 10. That just wasn't realistic because that's not who he is anymore. So if you had your expectations right, you you got what you wanted. Right. And, and somebody that we were choosing, you know, was they were going back to back in the draft last year was him and Le'Veon Bell, Right. Uh, now, listen, Le'Veon Bell going into the season, both D- David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell, they were viewed as, I think, potential values, right? Because they're going in the fourth round, you know, three down backs. Uh, but, you know, the upside, you weren't sure what their upside was going to be. And that's why they were going so late. Um, now, unfortunately, Bell coming into the season, uh, he got hurt in the second quarter yep. of his first game. Uh, and it, was, it went downhill from there. He actually played every snap. <laughs> until he got hurt late in that second quarter. Um, he went on IR right away. Uh, he came back to a committee. He got released pretty much like the game after that. Yep. Uh, Adam Gase, that situation didn't help. Nope. And honestly, like I'm very curious to see where he lands in free agency. Now, I personally think that he still has some left in the tank. Maybe I'm a Le'Veon Bell truther. I don't know. But he looks fine to me. Um, he's somebody who can still catch the ball and, and maybe you compare him to David Johnson as far as like with opportunity, they will be relatively productive, right? Maybe the upside isn't huge, but you know, I, I, here's what I, how I think about it. If you were, if you were somebody who was willing to draft Todd Gurley and David Johnson last year, you can't be against bell if he lands in the right situation, right? Like I feel like, he, and he, he's not 
that those guys, right? He's not Todd Gurley, like somebody whose knees were literally just f- oozing and falling off as the season yep. was progressing this year. Uh, um, I can go. Put me in, coach. <laughs> um so i feel like he can be productive uh not blow you away but i think someone who still can still can be productive on like 20 opportunities per game maybe uh with goal line looks and the right offense if he's given the reins uh and the question is will he be given the reins somewhere right uh remember todd Gurley got the reins to that atlanta offense last year okay obviously he got taken away at some point towards, you know, after like week nine. But, you know, I think Bell can get that this year from some team. Um, but, yeah, picking him up last year with those red flags probably wasn't a good option. But fourth-round price tag as an every down back, you know, it definitely felt like a good value if you needed a running back. Yeah, I mean, we were both pretty much on Bell going to last year. We just thought no matter the situation that the Jets improved <laughs> – how wrong were we? <laughs> oh my goodness. And that, you know, Bell would just kind of have the job to himself. How wrong were we? Um, but, you know, he is only 28 years old now. I'm assuming he's going to be 29 going into next year because that's how ages work. But um, whole point being, even if he does still have some stuff left in the tank, which I think he does. I don't think that he's viewed in the league anymore as that bell cow running back. I don't think he's, that's just how other teams view him. When you talk about the best running backs available, we're talking uh, Aaron Jones, we're talking maybe Chris Carson. Um, I don't even know if James Conner even falls in that category right now. No, he doesn't. Maybe even Kenyon Drake. Hey, listen, who would you rather, who would you rather have be your running back next year? Le'Veon Bell or James Conner? Le'Veon Bell. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. And, I mean, James Conner, I, I believe, is a little younger. Oh, he is. Definitely. And I think that's why uh, the Falcons took a chance with Gurley. I mean, it was a Georgia homecoming. It was an empty spot that they needed to fill, and they didn't really see it as a priority because guess what? They're going to throw it like <laughs> the dirt cutter is just going to throw the ball like crazy. So it didn't really matter who was taking that position. Honestly, if Todd Gurley wasn't available, they probably would have just ran it with Edo Smith and you know, yeah. or plugged the hole with Jordan Howard. So I, I don't think they viewed Todd Gurley as like their answer there in that position. But on top of that, I, I think Bell, if anything, he might find himself in a pass catching position on another team, especially if he wins a uh, Super Bowl with Kansas City. Then I think he'll just kind of be open to ending up anywhere. But uh, regardless, no, I, I, like you said, I don't think he's done. It's just about the leagues, the league's perspective of him. And that's really going to affect his value going forward. Yeah. And uh, is Clyde over Tiller playing this weekend? They said he was on track and he was practicing. So he might. Gotcha. Gotcha. I thought he was downgraded in practice today, but I'm not. Oh, maybe, maybe sure. if there was a new update today. Uh, but, you know, if but. he is banged up, if he's limited at all, you know, Le'Veon Bell, you know, he could be playing for a contract in this game, right? Yep. So I think in this game, he's going to be motivated um, to do whatever he can with his opportunity. Um, but yeah, so we mentioned Todd Gurley, right? I think the opposite of Le'Veon Bell, I think, I, not the opposite, but Todd Gurley's done, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's a free agent now. Uh, I would not chase where he lands. It's possible he makes some backfield in the NFL annoying, Um you know, he lost his job in the second half of his season. He was averaging 19 touches a game, believe yeah. it or not. Um, and then in just a matter of week, I think it was after week nine or week 10, he went to less than eight in a matter of a week. And they basically announced it too. 
that said, hey, Todd Gurley, he lost his role. So, um, and all he was doing during that, like, quote unquote, good span was scoring touchdowns. That's it. You know what I mean? Like, he had like 10 touchdowns or something, like, in those first, like, eight weeks. Um, But he was terrible. He was averaging 3.67 yards per carry. Not good. (laughs) Is it safe to say that he's off the draft radar for 2021? Yeah, and if I'm Todd Gurley, which I'm not a professional athlete and I could not do, and if you, no matter how bad Todd Gurley's knees are, he'll always be a million percent better than both of us at football, right? 100%. But if I was Todd Gurley, which again, I am not, um, I, I would say take the year off. I would say, look, you're not in a position, teams don't trust you. Take And for fantasy too, please. But just take the year off, seek treatment, See if you can, I mean, obviously you can improve it. It's a degenerative disease. It's arthritis. It's never going to get better, but find a way to treat it. Find a way to live with it. He was 25 last year. He's only 26. He's only 26 years old. And at his very best, he was at one point the best running back in the entire NFL. So I think that still does go a long way. Um, If he does decide to play next year, which again, I don't think he should, but again, I'm not Todd Gurley. Not that you're yelling at me that I am. <laughs> a team will take a chance on him. A team will put him in some sort of role. They'll have him as maybe the goal line guy or have him be a pass catcher because he he has shown that he can be a pretty good pass catcher. And it seems like towards the end of this year, that's kind of what his role was. Like he would come in, catch a few passes, maybe get a goal line carry if he's lucky, but not really do all that much so if a team views him as an asset in that type of role then okay but um you know like you said it's not something you can chase it's not something that's gonna show up on value so unless he takes the year off and tries to figure something out i'm just not trusting him at all yeah I, i i hear you on that and there was this running back was taken around todd Gurley. todd Gurley, i think was going around what the fourth round last year Third, uh, is third that, round, third, fourth. Third, fourth. Oh, yeah, that's right. His ADP did climb a little bit towards the end end of August. We got too confident. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I, I wasn't going near him. Uh, but Mark Ingram's price tag, I think he was going – he dropped, um, obviously, after the Ravens took J.K. Dobbins. Uh, but his price tag of the fifth round uh, was one that was honestly a bit mind-boggling to me still, especially because of the other running backs in the backfield, right? It wasn't just J.K. Dobbins. Yeah. Right. So should we should we have seen this type of season coming for him? Um yes. Yeah, and no. I think I think JK Dobbins was the huge red flag. And again, when we're saying the ADP game, Mark Ingram in the fifth, JK Dobbins in the seventh, eighth, ninth, whatever it was, much better value. Um Ingram turned 31 years old in December. Uh, and he only had three games with 10 or more touches through the whole entire year, and all of them were before their week six by. Um, he only had one good game, which was against Houston in week two. And as we know, Houston, the worst defense against running backs last year. And he also had one goal line carry compared to his 13 that he had in 2019. So, yeah, I mean, look, age and drafting another running back are two huge red flags. Definitely something we should have saw coming. I think me and a couple others expected him to kind of play the role that Gus Edwards did, right? At the very least, we thought, okay, maybe if Mark Ingram plays the lead, the 1A for like the first couple games and then switches to the 1B, then okay. But Ingram was inactive 
for th- I believe it was um three games in the last second half of the year he was just a complete healthy scratch i know he dealt with COVID at one point but even after that he was a healthy scratch and they went with dobbins they went with edwards and they had that committee and then even justice hill towards the end of the year came in but um yeah so i i both red flags uh interestingly enough his contract expires in 2022 so he still is under contract for the 2021 season but if they cut him, they'll save $5 million in cap space for a guy who was a healthy scratch. And then um, he would only have a cap hit of 1.3 dead money. So that's not bad if you're saving $5 million for a guy who's literally not even on your active roster anymore. And I don't think Ingram necessarily got worse. Uh, I think it was more so his age and yeah, it just, it they just didn't see a situation. Why would we put Ingram over Dobbins why would put Ingram over Edwards so yeah and I think one of the other signs of you know why I wasn't really going near Ingram was the fact that he didn't really see that much work last year right yeah. like, I, I think I mentioned that uh, multiple times last offseason that I think he only got more than 15 carries like once or twice I think he averaged under 50 percent of snaps last year as well yeah so it was really a goal line touchdown thing you know um and, and that's what really put you know made, like like you mentioned 13 goal line goal line looks last year i mean that's a number that you know should be looked at you know with a with a, with a microscope because after they drafted jk dobbins now the back now the backfield got even uh even more crowded so you know it's one of those things where like you just kind of want to avoid those guys because whenever you take a guy like that you know going into his age 30 season you know you're you're leaving upside on the table um you know you, you know you could have drafted somebody else in that fifth round and you know got a value Right. So that's that's kind of how we look at it. Um, you know, and I think moving forward too, you know, these type of things are lessons as you know, as we look into, you know, every single draft, you kind of want to look look back and see what you could have done better. And I think Mark Ingram, if you drafted him last year, I think you learned a pretty valuable lesson. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna try this transition thing. Okay. Go for it. Just as you drafted Mark Ingram, that probably hurt. Let's look at Jalen Hurts and Zach Ertz in Philadelphia. Okay. So <laughs> where are we ranking that one? Where is that? That was that was numero, numero uno, bro. Nice. Okay. Numero so uno. Zach Ertz, another guy that completely fell off. <laughs> God. Um, fell off last year. He was actually one of my guys. Not like one of my, my guys, but he was a guy who I thought would have been a value in the fifth round this year. Silly me. Um, funny enough, he did turn 30 in November. And he had 72 targets last year and he only played, I believe it was 11 or 12 games. He was six and a half per game. He was on pace to have over a hundred yards, a hundred yards, over a hundred targets on the year. So what went wrong? I mean, this guy had 200 slot snaps, which was eighth among tight ends. He ran 365 routes, which was 14th. Um, but he only had 36 catches on 72 targets. He caught 50% of his targets um so is can he, you uh can you tell me how many routes he ran again how many routes did i say routes? how many how many <laughs> god damn it i mean i i mean listen if anyone's listening to this uh they would be upset if i didn't say anything i didn't right? know because i, I if i just let you slip, i would if, get annoyed if i caught it <laughs> so so routes. did you did you not notice that you said roots no i didn't <laughs> well wait isn't root well i guess like root 
80 like yeah if, if you're talking about like route 66 you could say root and route 66, okay. route 66 that's, that's that's interchangeable but when you're talking about in the nfl nobody, I, don't think, routes. I don't think you can say you know how many routes did you run okay yeah that does sound wrong i don't know i guess i just i was just reading my notes okay either way he <laughs> he caught 50 percent of its targets but is that really his fault listen to this he had a catchable target rate of 58.3%. 58.3% of the targets his way were catchable. He did have five drops, but his true catch rate provided by player profiler was 85.7. So when the targets were actually catchable, he was catching 85% of them. Like that's not bad, right? But on the flip side, he had he was 40th in target separation among tight ends. And he averaged 0.92 yards per route run. I mean, this guy was just not efficient. He was not creating space. He just did not look like himself. And on top of that, Carson Wentz, a lot less time to throw, forced him into a lot of inaccurate passes. Just all of that together created just a bad season for Zach Ertz. Interestingly enough, He's due to make $8 million in 2021. They can cut him for nothing. Dallas Goddard to the moon? Dallas Goddard to the moon? <laughs> we'll see what Jalen Hurts wants to do. Even when Hurts was out, Hurts wasn't really looking for Goddard. Hurts didn't really have a number one target. But is this going to be Carson Wentz? I don't know. With Doug Peterson gone, the options are limitless. So so with Zach Ertz, his fall off this year – it was probably a product of Doug Peterson. It was probably the product of the offense, right? A product of Carson Wentz. It was a product of Zach Ertz. So it was a combination of things that that, that I think led to a little bit of a downfall for. And you know, it's funny. Like when, when you look back, the Eagles weren't willing to give Zach Ertz a long term contract, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, this time around, uh, which is interesting. And obviously, you know, you, you, Dallas Goddard's there. So like, are you going to pay two tight ends and that sort of yeah. thing? And if Ertz leaves, then okay, sure. You know, how many tight ends do you really need? And Doug Peterson is somebody who liked using two tight ends at at, 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 at different points last year. Absolutely. They ran a ton of two tight end personnel, 12 personnel. So, um, but going into their next, you know, uh, offensive system, we'll see what they want to do. They probably don't need Ertz there. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> Even um, Richard Rodgers played pretty well. That's true. That's true. Um, there, there were a couple of games where Rodgers was, the, was that dude. Um, yeah. So... One guy who was also getting older um, going into this season. And- <laughs> As is everyone. As like, he's the only guy getting older. <laughs> Dude, I love this. I love this. Let's just make fun of every transition that we do, <laughs> even even if it's good. Um, well, wait, how do you just say, so this guy's also getting older? Like, not every... I mean, listen, like, you know, you're not going to mention one of these young guys and say, like, okay, he's getting older, right? Yeah, like, guess. you're not going to say that about them, right? You would say that about like the Joe older Mixon guys. Joe Mixon being 25 or 26 this year. Like, we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk, sure. talk about Joe Mixon. I, I know that's a sensitive and topic. Thank you, by the way, for not including Joe Mixon in this list, because I don't know if I would have wanted to participate in talking about him. I, I would have just went on another tangent. But I'm, I'm close to it now. Yeah, I mean, it, he could have made this list, to be honest with you. No, it's okay. Uh, but uh, maybe we'll talk about him as another list. Maybe maybe the other list that we'll put him on is not giving up. Uh, <laughs> not giving up. Never going to give yep. you up. Okay. Yeah. We number have one of 
number yeah. one, uh, he's number two on that list. Number one would be Corey Davis. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but T.Y. Hilton, okay, he, he was the guy who I was going to mention. Um, he was being drafted, I think, in the fifth round, fourth, fifth round. Um, I think it was someone... sixth or seventh when it was all said and done. Really? I was I looking at like the he... AD, I was looking at the ADB, AD, ADP data, um, and he was like going at number fifty-one, oh, maybe. So something like that. So so four or five turns, something like that. Oh yeah, you know what? I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, isn't it amazing that him and Keenan Allen were going around the same spot? That's so crazy to think about <laughs> and right Diggs. now. And Diggs too. Goodness. <laughs> um, imagine going T.Y. Hilton over those guys. Um, but yeah, so he he's someone over the past several years, he was somebody who was consistently banged up, right? Uh, they brought in Philip Rivers, right? There was a question over whether they fit each other's styles. Um, he turned 31 in November, right? Hilton was probably one of these guys we sh- probably should have been avoiding coming into 2020. Yeah. Was he not? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Between age and lack of recent production and no Andrew Luck, Philip Rivers is no Andrew Luck. Um, dumb drafting Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell potentially taking on a bigger role, Zach Pascal basically being the wide receiver one of the year prior. I mean, there was a lot of signs. Um, T.Y. Helton, we also mentioned, <laughs> I keep remembering back to these videos, he had going into the year like 14 previous strains or sprains um, in terms of injuries just throughout his career. 14, which is nuts. Um, but yeah, I mean... A lot of signs pointed to T.Y. Hilton not having that year, and he did show up at one point for a span of like three or four games. So give him credit for that. But he's not the same player. I mean, look, in terms of his efficiency, uh, fantasy points per route per route was 0.38, which was 54th. Product premium, he was at 40th. Dominator rating was 54. He's just not really getting it done. He's cushion was 76 i don't know what any of these mean i'm just reading them off player <laughs> the numbers are high he's not doing <laughs> target separation he was 92nd i mean this is a guy known for those deep balls and he was 92nd among wide receivers in target separation um yeah you know he's just not the same guy anymore unfortunately and he's gonna be a free agent in march so we'll have to see how that shakes out but uh, my, my confidence in ty hilton is very very low so let me ask you this, uh, uh, and I agree with you. I'm not going to go – I'm not going to – I don't care where he lands. I hope he doesn't mess up some sort of – some situation that was previously good in terms of, like, target share for a better player. Mm-hmm. Um, but going into next year, who are you more interested in on the Colts? Let's say T.Y. Hilton doesn't res- does not resign in Pittman. Indy. It doesn't retire there. Are you more interested in Par- Paris Campbell or, or Michael Pittman? Pittman. Pittman, why is that? I like the way his name sounds. He makes good TikToks. Michael Pittman Jr. Oh, does he make good TikToks? Yeah, no, he's he's on TikTok, I think. I don't know. I don't know what the kids are into. Um, no, I, <laughs> I, I like Michael Pittman. I think he has the ability to be um the one A or like an alpha on this team. Yeah. I mean, he right. he showed spurts throughout and um he had some good moments. He has some big catchability, he makes runs after the catch. So he's a guy who can kind of do it all. And as he develops and as he has a real offseason. I think he's really going to be the one I'm going to be targeting late in drafts. Um, Campbell, interestingly enough, did do very well in his slot role with Phillip Rivers pretty early on. So, um, and and there's no rule that two wide receivers can't be good in the same team. 
But I, I do think Pittman is going to be the main guy I'm looking at. And depending on who takes over that QB position, whether it's Rivers again, whether they draft someone or whether they go for another quarterback like Carson Wentz or whatever it might be, um, it, it's going to impact who I want in this offense. Because if it is Rivers, then I think Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman might be close to even um, in terms of value, like in a PPR. But if it's someone else, then I think Pittman's going to be the way to go. Yeah, no, I hear you. And, and I think what's going to happen is they're going to end up getting uh, a good quarterback. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to jump on Michael Pittman. And I think rightfully so. I think Pittman's upside is pretty high because mm-hmm. he's, like you said, he has that potential to be the alpha, right? Um, you know, end zone targets, all that sort of thing. Where the Paris Campbell might be the, might be more of a, like a PPR asset. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a feeling that like one of these guys is going to be uh, ranked significantly lower in terms of ADP. Yep. several rounds lower and whoever that is that might be the guy you target in this offense but yeah. we'll see it's a lot of lot of things that's going to happen in order for us to determine that and honestly even if it is um ty leaving and a good quarterback coming in i still don't think michael Pittman is going to be like a fifth or sixth rounder i think he's going to be like a seventh six right. maybe six the highest just yeah. because of how deep wide receiver is so i think i agree no matter what like both these wide receivers are going to be value but you are right one of these guys most likely paris campbell um is going to slip very very late now there is there is a situation with the colts draft another wide receiver there is just so many good ones and the colts have i think picked 22 in the draft so it's not impossible for them to take that route i, I wouldn't expect them to but i mean <laughs> What does this team really need other than a quarterback? It's true. They have a good right? offensive line. They have a running back. They have wide receivers. Maybe a um, corner, right? They're, Maybe they're, some secondary help. But right. I mean, I think, overall, I think they made it work. Yeah, 100%. I think cornerback is probably like where they can fit. But yeah, you're right. They don't have but, too many holes. Yeah. Um, and if you so look on offense, I mean, Michael Pittman on one side – and then Paris Campbell, a guy who's consistently injured. I don't think they really want to rely on Zach Pascal as much as they have. So, I don't know. It, it wouldn't totally shock me if they did take a wide receiver, but I, I am not expecting them to. I can totally see them signing a Chris Godwin. I could totally see Yeah, it. that's another possibility. Yeah. Um, and not force Michael Pittman to be that 1A, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so – we weren't sure who the guy was going to be in Cleveland, right? Uh, this year, new offense, whether it was going to be Jarvis Landry, OBJ, it was going to be run heavy offense. So we weren't sure what to expect in terms of how these wide receivers were going to do. Um, but Odell Beckham Jr., right? He's someone who still has some upside, in my opinion. He's not turning 29 until November. And yes, he tore his ACL, right? And a lot of people can write him off. And I just totally understand that if you do, because, you know, he's getting close to that age 30 season. Um, but I do think that he can be ready to come back and play that wide receiver one role for the Browns, um, which I do think has value, right? Uh, if he didn't get hurt, I think people would have been surprised with the season that he could have had. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the usage was really good in terms of how they were using him opposed to raw targets. Like raw targets is really what we look at usually when it comes to fantasy, but the value of the targets that he was getting was high uh, specifically because of the play action targets that he was getting, uh, how this offense is designed around that. And when you look at uh, fan, like when you look at fantasy points, uh, expected fantasy points, uh, per attempt, that sort of thing. Odell Beckham Jr.'s was pretty high uh, because of those type of targets that he was getting. Um, and, and that's why we saw Rashard Higgins 
do his thing down the stretch, right, when OBJ was out. Um, and the good thing is that you will probably be able to get OBJ pretty late. I would say like sixth round or later, you know, this year. And I'm and I'm okay paying that type of price. That assuming that he he's good to go, right? I mean, there's a little bit more to go, right? I want to see how good how good he looks in training camp. What do the reports look like? Is he like? Is it? Is he? I'm definitely gonna watch his vlog. That's for sure. Um, and you know, I want to see his vlog. He has a vlog, yeah. What he looks like uh, going into training camp and and how ready he is for week one, that sort of thing. Uh, but I do think that whoever plays that uh, wide receiver one role in this Kevin Stefanski offense, I do think it does have value. Not by raw targets, but if he's going to get seven to eight targets per game, um, he can be relatively efficient. And that's kind of how they designed that offense. You know who else had a, had a vlog or a blog? Who? Cam Newton. Oh, it's over. Oh, man, it's over. <laughs> no, I, I like what you said about OBJ. He does fit Stefanski's offense really, really well in terms of what they're looking for. I mean, you have a heavy ground attack. You don't want a, um, you know, a move-the-chains type wide receiver. You want a big play guy. You know, that, that, that complements a run-heavy offense very well. And that's one of the better situations for him to be a fantasy asset. My concern is how comfortable is Baker Mayfield with Jarvis Landry? Because that's literally who he's been using for the past three years or whatever it's been now. And on top of that, yes, Odell Beckham is only 29, but is he going to be full speed? Is he going to be full strength coming off an ACL tear? I mean, I just, I don't know. My confidence in him is very low. And I'm not even someone who's been burned by him. He's someone I've been avoiding for a little while now. I didn't get him on any of my teams last year, but Point being, like, I, I don't know, man. I If he's a six-round value, name value, and what his role might be, then, yeah, I mean, I understand taking a jab at him in, like, the sixth, seventh round. But my expectations aren't high. I, I, I don't know. I, I think Jarvis has become the number one there. I think Jarvis is going to be the go-to guy for Baker for quite some time. Um, maybe Austin Hooper keeps some type of role and we know both these running backs Kareem Hunt got extended so they, they're going to run it like crazy with both these guys but to another point when Baker does have to throw when he's in a situation where he does have to throw he does play very very well and we see a lot of wide receivers like Donovan People Jones he's had a couple long touchdowns Rashad Higgins as you mentioned before He's had some big games as of late. Jarvis Landry, he's had some big games. So there definitely is potential. It's just my confidence in Odell is like at an all-time low. And yeah, he's 29 and he's a year off of being 30. But the whole point is all of these injuries late in your career as you're approaching that, that that's really what gets it more for me. So yeah, exactly. 30, whatever it is. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And and if he's not full speed going into the season and, you know, depending on how his recovery goes and is he, is he a complete full participant in training camp, those type of things, like those things matter, you know, um, especially when you get a little bit older. So um, he's somebody who, you know, might not have the type of like breakout upside that you're looking for. And depending on how you're complimenting your team, he might not be somebody you want to draft this year. Yeah. Um, and and we'll, we'll see what his ADP ends up at. Uh, but the thing is, like, if there is some hype over him as far as his recovery goes and all that, I don't think he's going to go later than the sixth round. Uh, it, it's I, not impossible I, for I the Browns to move on from him either. 
I mean, there's been already been so many rumors of him being traded again to another team. Kind of hard to do that now when he's coming off an ACL tear. Uh, I haven't really looked into his contract situation, but I mean, maybe he gets cut and maybe he gets a chance with another team. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how Odo Beckham Jr. shakes out. Yeah. And my point is also uh, to, to be on the lookout for who that outside X receiver is for the Browns in mm-hmm. Kevin Stefanski's offense. Whoever that is, likely going to be a value in 2021. If it's OBJ, hopefully he can stay healthy. Hopefully he's 100% going into next year, but we'll see how that works out. All right. So those are the guys we wanted to talk about. I think going over these guys after this season is great. I think we can learn something, which is why we we went over them. Uh, but I think we should take a shot at who we think these guys will be during draft season in July, in August, you know, while we're doing our mock drafts and all that. Uh, and we'll do another one of these, right, to see who, you know, we think can potentially be on this list after the 2021 season. Ooh, you know what I mean? Interesting. Um, so we can kind of take a stab at that. And then when we do this podcast again next offseason, we can kind of see how we did. We'll see if we uh, if we nailed it, if we got a couple right, if we got a couple wrong. We'll see how that goes. You, you know how um, people leave, like, those things, like, buried in the ground? A time capsule. Right? You know, you know about that? Yes. Yes, yes, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think we should, like, leave a message for ourselves for, like, a year from now. So just give, give it, like, a quick... Hey, Siri. Remind me in a year to oh, do the podcast. What do you want to be reminded about? <laughs> It's going to scare you in a year. Remind me that I need to do a podcast with Joey. Well, okay. I don't think you understand the time, time castle thing. Okay. Add it to your reminders warning sign. All right. Got it. <laughs> let, let me show you what I mean. Hey, Joey. It's been a year. So Joe Mixon is probably the running back one at this point. And you were right <laughs> all along. And here's the thing. A lot of people doubted you, but it's okay. You know, he came through towards the end. Um, we're talking about people right now who didn't do too well last year. So hopefully you stayed true to yourself. You stayed away from Oda Beckham Jr. And uh, yeah, go Joe Mixon 2022. You know what I'm saying? Like that kind of message, you know, and we can listen back in a year. How cool would that be? I hear you, man. And you know what's funny? Like I, I think part of the re- part of a really good reason, you know, anybody who's listening to this and for even us, like when we're doing our mock drafts and all that, and we're having those discussions. You're going to basically tell me like, dude, like we're we're gonna be doing a mock draft, and I'm gonna take some 30 year old wide receiver in the fourth round or the third round, and you're gonna be like, dude, what are you doing? Remember the podcast we did? Those were the signs that you don't draft that dude. You're gonna get Mark Andrew, Mark Mark Ingramed. God damn it! I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get Mark Ingramed. I'm gonna get yeah. Mark Ingramed. I'm gonna get Julioed, and it's gonna happen. So yeah, we're just trying to plant those seeds early in the off season. Um, but that, that'll do it, Joe. Thank you so much for 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 taking up the time, man. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. We appreciate you guys. Um, I hope you guys are having a good off season. I hope you guys enjoying the playoffs. Um, and yeah, we'll be back next week. Yep. Talk to you guys soon. Yep. See ya. Yep. <laughs>